0: Welcome back to Radio Entrepreneurs. I'm Jonathan Friedman. Our next guest up is Mark Furman of Tarlow Breed, Hart & Rogers. Nice to see you, Mark.
1: Nice to see you, Jonathan. Always a pleasure to be with you and uh, um, hope uh, hope you're having a good summer.
0: Thank you. Well, I I hear that Mark Furman's gotten out of the house and been in a courtroom. Have you actually physically been in a courtroom late? I
1: I actually have. Uh, July 12th. You know the courts uh, were kind of reopened, uh, no Zoom, and uh, and I went in person to uh, uh, on a case, and I have to say we're, we're the only case in the courtroom, so it's very different than pre-pandemic. Uh, but uh, and there were physical barriers everywhere, plexiglass separating the lawyers, the clerk, the judges. Um, So it's a different experience, a good experience. So
0: We um, know you have a lot of pull. You must really have a lot of pull that you got in there uh, fast and and furious, so to speak.
1: Well, I I don't know uh, why our case was uh, selected in this particular courthouse, but um, it was nice to be back. Uh, um, So it's very different than being on a Zoom call. Um, And uh, there are many good things about being in person, Uh, the commute to get there and to go back is, uh, it's different than, you know, if you have a 45 minute hearing and you log on 10 minutes ahead of time just to make sure there aren't any uh, problems, it's very efficient. And then uh, as opposed to traveling, this was over an hour uh each way to get to the courthouse
0: yeah it changes the dynamic it makes us uh you know long for uh simple simple i guess in some respect but as you said uh getting in getting in front of a judge i'm sure and uh honing your craft i don't know if you need to hone anymore you're an expert um but uh, getting in there is uh the preparation a little different uh the getting on
1: stage again so to speak but i think seeing the ability to see the room uh it's different as opposed to seeing just headshots of everybody um but uh it was was, i mean the judge was really well prepared and asked great questions and it's a very engaging argument so i enjoyed it very much and the judge made the right decision so my client was happy so that's that's good too, but as we uh, come out of COVID, hopefully come out of COVID, you know, one of the issues that's out there now that uh, is, you know, can folks can employers re- require vaccinations? Can uh, universities require that students be vaccinated? What about uh, mask requirements? There's all sorts of cases kicking around the courts now. And there was a case just uh, decided recently, Indiana University, uh, they want folks vaccinated. Uh, they want students vaccinated. And uh, a judge said they have a right to do it. It's public, uh, It's public university. Um, but there are uh, uh, school systems that are implementing mask requirements for um, kids who, aren't vaccinated and no, no kid under 12 is vaccinated. Um, and uh, some people are very upset about that and think it's a, uh, uh, you know, some kind of uh, invasion or violation of their liberty, um, their freedom. Um, so, you know, what about public employers? What about private employers? What about religious objectors, and what about non-religious objectors? They're all out there. Um, and, in, dr- uh, in droves. In droves.
0: It, it's, it's, it's interesting because you cite the case of a public university, and um, it, it's interesting that a lot of what we're seeing seems to be in the public realm, um, you know, mass transit, um, you know, places where they seem to be able to, you know, airlines, uh, airlines are private, of course, but airports tend to be public, you know, entities or public domains owned by municipalities generally. Um, it, it's interesting that we're seeing a lot of these things in public, but in the private sector, doesn't a, a, a private business generally have a right to create policies, as long as they're not discriminatory, but policies that they so choose. Um,
1: they do. Um... As a general rule, of course, there's exceptions to every rule, but in the in the public uh, space, um, you know, you have the Constitution, federal Constitution applies to actions by the state, which has been applied to, so like the First Amendment, due process, you know, certain. Uh, privacy interests, liberty interests, uh, you know, freedom of religion, you know, when we have religious objections, uh, you know, generally those are uh, principles that apply in the public square, not in the, in the private square. But, you know, I mean, Massachusetts has a uh, uh, Civil Rights Act that does apply to um private conduct when there's um you know threats intimidation or coercion involved um and and then you have the issue of what's what's discrimination so if someone has a religious objection is that uh, religious discrimination Does the discrimination laws apply um private Uh, you know as well as public so um, you know these are cast as you know discriminatory uh, you know you're impeding my ability to engage in the free exercise of my religion which prohibits vaccinations for example for whatever reason and um, so the but Um, you know, and and then a related question is uh, for for companies, uh, you know, private and public is when does everybody go back and are they obligated to go back? Is it going to be an uh, in-person situation, a hybrid or work wherever you want to work that you feel like you can be productive and the stakes in that debate are rather large, I think, because you know where you have um,
0: uh, huge implications for businesses that you know have sunk uh, tens of millions of dollars into leases and and have idle space uh, for you know the better part of fifteen months now, and collaboration, uh, etc. Uh, I would imagine that that these issues. Uh, and we're just as you said, we're just at the at the tip, uh, so to speak, in terms of seeing litigation, I would imagine over these issues. Um, but think about um, if, if you have a, a
1: virtual office, then, you know, you can employ people from anywhere in the world. It's, mm-hmm. it's really. And, you know, I think of it as, you know. Our office has had a long-time uh, employee who, uh, excellent uh, uh, employee who left Boston and relocated to Florida, and uh, and that was about ten years ago. And she's been working remotely from for ten years, uh, doing an excellent job. Uh, I didn't think of that as, you know, how the world would work more broadly uh, once COVID arrived, but she's been a productive member of the firm for the decade or so she was in Boston and equally so uh, since she's been in in Florida. Um, So, you know, you do lose something. Uh, You gain something, you lose something. And it raises
0: complexity as well. Uh, You know, employers aren't necessarily thinking about withholding taxes. And, you know, where do you work if you're working remotely? Do you work for an employer in Massachusetts or do you work for an employer in Florida? So it creates some complexity for, you know, uh, certainly small business.
1: And there was a case uh, with huge implications uh, New Hampshire versus Massachusetts. Just the United States Supreme Court decided not to take the case. But it was, uh, you know, I think, a fight over uh, whether you pay taxes based upon where you're residing when you work remotely, or based upon uh, where the uh, your typical pre-COVID place of employment was, where the where the company was, and you know, New Hampshire doesn't have any state income tax, and Massachusetts. Uh, does, it, it, it's, a, it's a, I don't know how it's, long they'll be able to stay out of that fights well, like that, but I,
0: I, It's just an indicator of sort of the thorniness of the issue, you know, forget about personal preferences and, you know, quote unquote rights, um, but yeah, you know, it's just complex for uh, businesses and for entrepreneurs to navigate what's right, what's wrong, um, can I, can't I, uh, you know, I guess the answer is you always can, but you take the risk, right? So, you know, it's measuring that risk all the time uh, as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, as an organization to try and figure out what works. I mean, I think we're, we're in a not only unprecedented times in terms of uh, setting policy, but I think in terms of uh, that shift in the marketplace towards employees having a lot more leverage because we're in a tight employment market. And so that always creates challenges for employers as well. Um, So, you know, I think there's a lot of things that are in flux here that uh, are going to be interesting to see how they shake out and uh, no doubt, uh, you know, guys like you litigators will keep very busy because I suspect that a lot of this stuff ends up getting settled in the courts.
1: Right. That's true. I mean, I was recently uh, uh, met a, a Texas lawyer who has been up here for a few years working full-time, um, working with his Texas clients and other clients and far-removed places. But it it doesn't matter. It's so different than when I started practicing law that a threshold question was, where do I want to live? Because right. that's where I would work. Um, so it, it's very different. But uh, I have to plug one thing for business owners in the complexity of the employment laws please look into employment practices, liability insurance. It's a great bargain. I'm not in that business. I'm not, not on commission. But these cases are have exploded in recent years, employment claims, discrimination claims. And uh, uh, on some of those, not everything, those policies provide a measure of protection and in some ways, most importantly, uh, the cost of defending those cases, and uh, you know, you can have uh, a very weak case brought that costs a lot of money to defend, and uh, to have an insurance company involved providing a defense that's and paying for it is really
0: more than helpful. pays for it, more than pays for it, itself,
1: and it's not that expensive compared to things like product liability insurance, and things like that. So I'd encourage folks to look into and, that.
0: As, al- as always, great advice, Mark. Uh, Mark Furman, Tarlo Breed, Hart & Rogers. If people want to reach out to you and discuss uh, either em- em- employment uh, um, coverage or, or other other types of matters, uh, what's the best way for them to reach out to you?
1: I can be reached at 617-218-2025. That's my direct line. My email is m. Furman F-U-R-M-A-N at T-B-H-R-law.com.
0: Excellent. Always a pleasure to see you. Always nice to talk with you. And uh, we will be right back with another segment on Radio Entrepreneurs.